Let us, let us pray. <clears throat> Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, my sons and I uh, have always had fun recalling some of the uh, some of the classic and not so classic lines from Star Wars Episode Two: The Attack of the Clones. Partly because George Lucas, though he's a legendary filmmaker, is not the greatest writer, and he wrote the scripts for these. And what was kind of amusing uh, to Thomas and Connor and I is that Yoda, who's supposed to be the the epitome of of wisdom and insight is made to utter these most obvious lines in situations where, where everybody can see exactly what's going on and then he, 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 sums, uh, he sums it all up. Um, for instance, there's this, there's this scene where Obi-Wan is on the planet Geonosis investigating what's going on there. And there's a live feed back to the Jedi Council and uh, all manner of, you know, what is just falling apart. It's plainly obvious. Everything imaginable that's going wrong is happening. And then finally his live feed's interrupted by a, an attack, and, uh, which prompts Yoda to state the obvious, more going on than we were led to believe. Yeah, I think we can see that, Yoda. In fact, being that we're entering Oscar week now, I just thought, I'm just going to show that clip now that you heard it from me. Better up there. Firm grasp of the obvious, the wise Yoda. Knocked out. Retransmit this message to Coruscant. I have tracked the bounty hunter Django Fett to the droid foundries in Geonosis. The Trade Federation is to take delivery of a droid army here. And it is clear that Viceroy Gunray is behind the assassination attempts on Senator Amidala. The Commerce Guilds and the Corporate Alliance have both pledged their armies to Count Dooku and are forming a... Wait. Wait. More happening on Geonosis, I feel, than has been revealed. I agree. You think so, Yoda? Thanks. <laughs> what was your first clue? Now, I mention this and show the clip, first of all, because I like Star Wars, and, uh, and so do you. But more importantly, after the transfiguration, <clears throat> the disciples may very well have turned to one another and said, there's more going on here than had previously been revealed. Indeed, Jesus and they themselves were a part now of a story that they could have only dreamed of or imagined. More going on than we were aware. So too with us. And while it may not seem quite as obvious as it seemed to Yoda and Master Windu observing Geonosis, there is indeed more going on around us than we can possibly imagine with God's story and with God's promises for us. Let's go back to the transfiguration. It says Jesus was, uh, we, we learn that Jesus was clearly a brilliant teacher, revealing things no one had ever 
put together before. But his full nature was a mystery. His relationship with God and his role in history, not clear at all. Then Jesus led them up a mountain for a better view. Of course, it wasn't the view of the countryside here that was important. It was a much different sort of view that God had in mind. They were about to experience two visual developments that would reveal something. Then they would experience an auditory one. It says that Jesus was transfigured. Well, we would have no idea what that means, really, because no one ever uses that word. Without the accompanying description, his clothes became brilliant, brilliantly white, and he acquired an increased luminosity, as though a very bright light was now illuminating him. This sight would suggest, for starters, that Jesus was not simply one of them. They were now having an experience that theologian Rudolf Otto once wrote about in his book, The Experience of the Holy. A rare time when we feel that we are standing in the presence of something transcendent and mysterious, and we are filled with awe. The brightness and the purity that engulfed Jesus suggested his identity was special and indeed transcendent. To add to this, Moses and Elijah, two luminaries of the Jewish faith, suddenly appeared standing with Jesus. Moses clearly represented the law and Elijah the prophets, two major chapters and themes in the story of Israel. This was a revelation, I think, that Jesus was now somehow connected to this story that was unfolding, to God's story, a story that extended centuries back in history and was continuing to unfold. So you see, a veil was lifted for the disciples, and they could see what was normally hidden but was now made clear. There was more going on with Jesus than they were aware. Jesus would be the decisive figure in the next chapter that unfolded. How exactly was not clear. The mystery remained. Now, the question is, how do the disciples respond to such an experience? Do something. This is incredible stuff. Come on, do something, right? Peter naturally leads the way. Lord, it's good that we're all here. I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We'll just make a little, little city here up on top of the hill. Now, if this seems to be an odd response, <laughs> Carol, Carol, yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't. There was a well-known festival coming up in the lives of the Jews called the Festival of Booths or booths, a week-long uh, festival commemorating God's faithfulness to the Jews while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and God provided shelter for them at strategic places. Part of the festival involved building temporary shelters and dwelling in them as a way of giving thanks to God for his providence. Perhaps for Peter, building these booths was a nod to that festival. At any rate, what Peter did was natural in that he felt a need, I think, in some way to hang on to that moment. 
to preserve it, to manage it, to control it, to put it in a box. Perhaps Peter was already thinking practically. It's going to get cold up here, so let's help Moses stay warm. Whatever Peter's motives here, whatever Peter was up to, it is understandable. At a time like this, we can't just sit here. We've got to do something. But God had something different in mind. There's a wonderful moment in the movie Boyhood when one of the characters, a college student, is struggling to understand some of the secrets of life's journey, as college students often do. She says, you know when they say, when they say carpe diem, seize the moment, Sometimes I think it's the other way around. The moment seizes you. And this is followed by knowing glances that indeed, sometimes it is like that. The moment seizes you. As Peter was suggesting that they build booths for dwelling, God essentially said to Peter, I think, Peter, don't try to seize the moment and stuff. Let the moment seize you. Experience it fully. Listen. Watch. God interrupted Peter before he was done speaking, in fact, and he said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Interrupted Peter. In other words, don't do anything, Peter. Just take this all in. Don't try to put it in a box. Experience it. There is more going on here and in Jerusalem and in the life of God than you ever imagined. And yes, then has been revealed to this point. You are catching a mysterious glimpse of it now. Your horizons are stretching. In a moment, it will be gone. But Jesus will not be. Listen to him. Indeed, Peter would soon realize that the significance of what was revealed on that mountain would be played, played out in regular time, where they live, where they witness, where people would oppose Jesus, where God's unconditional love for us through Jesus would be revealed so clearly. But first, a few moments seized the disciples where they were asked only to watch and listen. And because they did, their journey would have more meaning. To see that it is part of a narrative in which God is the storyteller, to see that Jesus is the one in whom and through whom history will pivot now, we will likely never have such a moment <clears throat> as the transfiguration. But we will have moments, plenty of them, when something shimmers, somehow shimmers, grabs our attention, and becomes a little bit brighter in the moment. It may be a glimpse into something God wants us to see. Many of you who have had the experience of dwelling 
in the Word? Are you ready when you read a Bible passage and a verse shimmers just a bit, catches your attention? Pay attention to the brightness. It might be a mini transfiguration. Maybe God is trying to tell you something. It's been happening a lot around here. Or someone may speak, could be anyone, and we perceive that maybe, just maybe, God is speaking through them, and it's not just that person. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Are you listening? We were uh, discussing, some of us, what God's unconditional love is like um, with a, a few people after the Lutheran class that I'm teaching a few weeks ago. Um, I believe it was Bob Arvold who then said, I, you know, I think God's love is a lot like a parent's love, the unconditional part. I mean, a parent doesn't usually say to a son or daughter, I will love you if you, know, you meet these conditions, provide the right attitude. No, a parent says, because I love you, therefore I will always be there and give you everything I can, of course, no matter how frustrated I might get. Because I love you. It's a given. There are no conditions. Yes, unconditional. And I believe my Savior was speaking through Bob's analogy right there, like a parent. Like Pastor Beth said last week, though we may be plagued with doubt and our faith may be weak, Jesus is in the boat with you no matter what. And in the waters that threaten to drown us, Jesus reaches for us always. Mysterious, yes, but wonderful. When do you hear that message sneaking into conversations? Transfiguration. Are you watching? Are you listening? When moments like this come, moments that may seize you, are you ready? The final example would be this. In um, this past December, the church council and 15 other uh, members who have been working on developing our mission life and our community life here uh, gathered to um, vision together what Mount Olivet might look like five years from now. The whole exercise was uh, led not by staff, but by members who just stepped up to lead. As we visioned together, it was practically a transfiguration because one could almost see, as this unfolded, one could almost see the earliest apostles at work right there and the seven who stepped up next that we learned about two weeks ago. It was like the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was loose in the hearts and the minds and the imaginations of people. We were seeing visions and getting excited about what God had in store for us. And it seemed unmistakably to be us, who we are. Not just wishful thinking, but this is who we are and this is what God is doing. And it was so exciting. Eventually someone said something very close to... It is good that we are here. Let's build a booth and stay here. Not exactly what she said. But it was something very close to, let's keep doing this dance. Let's keep doing this dance. Indeed, God is loose in Jesus. We are a part 
of a story. God does not wish these truths to be hidden from you. There's more going on than perhaps you previously thought. Let the moment and let the moments seize you when God puts them before you. Thanks be to God. Amen.